0: yourself with
1: the earth what is up podheads? Tony here Podio slave tattoos the earth rolls on episode three coming at you in your ears right now i'm here as always with anthony and nate how you guys doing
2: good man ready to geek out as always and uh this series has just been an absolute fucking blast so honored i'm honored to geek out as always but especially with this it's just it's the it's the grand prize it's the cream of the crop it's our personal nerdy summer camp
0: i agree and i'm uh i'm personally doing pretty good my memory sucks which is the opposite i don't know if you guys have noticed how detailed all our guests have been like how the fuck do they remember oh my god all these details from 22 years ago like when you asked me that i was like how am i like how was my day i don't remember
2: yeah did i lock the car fuck like
1: Oh, dude, I locked the cars like twice a night before bed, (laughs) especially after last summer when ours got robbed and I was recording in Twan's basement. So
0: yeah, I mean, so if you're back from last week, we had Derek Green of Sepultura last week. We had Myron from the Workhorse Movement. And Myron, you could tell he hadn't been down this memory jog for a long time. But for a dude that probably hadn't thought about those days in a while, he remembered a ton. And it was awesome. And I'm sure Scott's book helped with that. And you know, kind of the rebirth, the festival all helped with that. But, man, I'm personally
1: impressed. For sure. I mean, they've been awesome in their candor and their stories. They've been, uh, their memory has been amazing uh, to come to call back to 22 years ago, a summer where they probably were by the skin of their teeth surviving day to day and, and to pull all these memories out and give them to us, give this story. Out there, uh, as Podio Slave tattoos the earth, man, it's been it's been a blast. And like Nate said, it's our nerdy summer camp, and something that we never thought we'd be able to do, but we're happy we're doing it, and we're happy you're here with us to check it out. So we've got some fun stuff for you tonight. Who we got tonight, Twan?
0: So we're gonna start things off with uh, Shannon Larkin. So Shannon, currently for the last what 20 plus years, has been the drummer for Godsmack. During the Tattoo the Earth tour, he was with uh, the band Amen. Before that, was uh, Ugly Kid Joe. And then the back half of this episode we bring back our friend brian fair we kind of teased that last week he was uh originally in overcast went on to join shadows fall he's now in hell night and overcast is playing the the resurrection here next month uh actually this month right later this month mm-hmm. august 27th in worcester mass so uh yeah great conversations great company these guys get stories for fucking days and uh you're gonna hear them right now here's shannon larkin formerly of amen now of god
2: smack what's up shannon thanks for coming on the podcast man i really appreciate it
3: hey man my pleasure
2: nice man uh we we did have a question right out of the gate you know we're stoked to have you on and everything but i feel like you've been on just so many different kinds of music you know our podcast prides on you know just different styles of music we kind of cover everything you know you're in ugly kid joe you're in stone sour glass jaw candle amen all these amazing bands, but we've got to ask like, does your accountant never do like a double take? Like when your you know, royalty checks come in and they see, you know, <laughs> holy shit, you're in Godsmack, but wait, Vanilla Ice? Like which employer, which, who do you work for?
3: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. I've been in four bands my whole life. And one was, my first band was Wrath Child America. Yep. My second band was Ugly Kid Joe. My third band was Amen. My fourth band was Godsmack. And that's been, Ever since I was uh, 14, I started Wrathchild and I toured all the way up to we signed to Atlantic. I was 21, and then Ugly Kid Amen got back, and that's the four bands. The thing is about me is I always have, I never stop. I live for music. Is God to me, and so I, I always have side projects. Even like every band I've been with that I just mentioned, I had sometimes two side projects. Like when i was a California, named man i did a rockabilly band called back alligators and i had a punk band called mf pitbulls and so with this band godsmack i've had another animal was an early record i put out uh with wick crane of ugly cajo and and godsmack guys and then i've had a, the apocalypse blues review and now it's the apocalypse blues revival <laughs> and so you know I've, i always keep busy the glass jaw the vanilla ice the uh stone sour these were all just because i'm friends with people nice. and if i have time off and they call me and say hey man you know like at the time it was ross robinson and that got me probably my best drum record perhaps on the glass jaw record you know uh that thing is a monster i don't know why that didn't sell 10 million copies i mean. I listened to the to that just the other day because I'm getting my chops back up and that's one of the things, I, that's one of the records I'll put on to get back into shape uh, nice. on the this man. But uh, but yeah, so only four bands I've been with. It, you know, if you talk to like Josh Freeze, that dude's only been in three or four bands. You know, mm-hmm. He's in Vivo. Yep. He was in Perfect Circle. He, was, he is the bandals, of course, still and was forever. But God, at, at one point, I had talked to him and he said you know because he'll do a session one song and he didn't even hear doesn't even hear the vocal and all of a sudden at one point he had he had played drums on nine of the uh ten songs in the top ten
2: wow, wow. that's crazy! just
3: from doing sessions and he's like whoa oh my god i put, and then he'll hear the song and he's like i don't even i never heard the hook or this vocals even you know so you know it, it, it's staying busy man you know, us drummers have to stay busy. We don't make money like the rest of y'all do.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, we agree with the uh, the Glassjaw Worship and Tribute being a beast. We love that record. We ride for that record here for
3: sure. Yeah, that dude. Oh, my God. Dude, I was, Ross Robinson called me, and Amen had just put our, our second record. I think it was our second one in the can. Yeah. Because uh, the candlelight thing, well, I'll go back the Candlebox thing happened when we, we just finished recording our first record, Amen, in the year 2000. And Candlebox had just released their third record Happy Pills. And Candlebox manager was John Reese, who also managed Amen. And now John Reese does uh, Oh, my God, he's just, he's a huge like concert promoter, man, you know, uh, and a dear friend. Hi, John, if you if you ever see this. Oh, so, John called me and we just got the amen record in the can. so uh, Reese calls me and says, hey, man, I guess, you know, Candlebox's drummer at the time, the great, by the way, Dave Cruzen, I guess flaked on him and took off like two weeks before the tour. And since we had just recorded the record, there was a three-month setup that the label needs and management they need, you know, before you put the record out. So I basically had three months off and he was my manager he knew it he said hey man you want to uh go and meet the cannabis guys and, uh, and like you know audition to go on tour with them for uh the next two months and for x amount and all this and i'm like hell yeah and, you know i like the candle box i saw him with rush but wow. um that's a so, combo yeah right so yeah man so i went and uh and got that candle box thing but anyway so flash forward and so, like, I was never in Canada. you know. I was just, I, I went out and played on tour with these guys. And to this day, they're dear friends. That was amazing. Anyway, nice flash forward to Amen's second record. By this point, we're on Virgin. And, and Ross Robinson had done an imprint label with Virgin, right? And so, same thing happened, man. I get done that record, and I had a couple months off before the for the setup of the record and I was free, and Ross Robinson uh, was also the producer of the Glassjaw record, you know? So there it was, man, just because I knew. So he calls me, and that was a, an odd thing because their drummer, they didn't want to get rid of the drummer, and he just he just couldn't, I guess, get through all the songs <laughs> without having to stop. And so Ross had to cut all this tape, and by the end of the day, they wasted a week in the studio which is money mm. and they were on warner brothers so god knows if it's some studio in, in la so it was expensive you know and so ross calls me and says yeah man you know they're not gonna be their drum or anything but will you come and jam this record and and i go well you know i, I knew glass anyway i didn't know him personally but i like glass and I, and they're they're fucking badass so i was like well how much time do i have and how many songs you know uh, and he's like, well, you know, can you learn these 10 songs in a week? And I was like, hell yeah. And so anyway, he sent me those songs and I went down there and Ross is a guy that likes to record drums in a small room. In fact, when we did the Amen second record, we went into uh, Sound City.
4: Mm-hmm. You oh, know, nice.
3: And and I put my drums right where Dave Grohl, right in it, they have this giant famous drum room, man. And mm-hmm. I put my drums right where Dave Grohl's drums were and right where Mick Fleetwood's drums, whatever. And fucking Ross ends up going, yeah, no. And we moved the drums into one of the guitar rooms, a small (laughs) room. So anyway, he did the same thing in Glassjaw. And next thing you know, but he wanted live. He didn't want me to stop, you know, get through the take, you know, and without mistakes. So that was the deal. And those dudes, that singer, but that what I can't even say enough about that, the whole band. Well, first, first, let me say the awkward part. So when I show up to rehearse the thing after the week I had to learn it, the drummer's there, right? The dude, <laughs> like their guy. And I'm like, hey. And then he's sitting literally right behind me while we're rehearsing. Yeah, you know, if you have any questions, whatever. And, and you know, it was it was, it was, it was an odd thing. You know, like he took me aside, and, you know, you heard my drum tracks. But, and I'm all, I was like, dude, they sound great to me. I, I'm not a fucking producer, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, and on the other hand, it was weird. So anyway, thank God, the next day when I came in, I had, uh, then we had two days, I think I was to do that record. And he wasn't there when, you know, when I had to record. So Ross puts us in in a small room, you know, so the band, are basically, they're all they're, they're like, standing around the drum set, you know, a foot away from the drum set, and the singer Daryl was like, right over the kick drum. Like and he would lean. That dude was leaning up over the kick drum, scream. He screams, and his voice projects so loud. Mm -hmm. It was the most intense record maybe I ever recorded, man. And Ross was also in the room, so it wasn't just those four guys. It was Ross too, all just looking at me, man. And it was just (laughs) such a. I was looking back at them, and it was such a fucking moment, dude. It's no wonder that's a fucking great record. Those guys were. I think, in their prime right then, you know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, uh, we, we're we, we not going to, I mean, honestly, we could do a whole episode with you on that album. But last thing I'll say about that album, the drums are just absolutely brilliant. The fills at the beginning of Radio Cambodia and, like, the tribal element on Ape Dose Mill and oh uh, Trailer Park Jesus, it's like, yep. damn. And that was you. Like, we didn't know that for years that it was you.
3: Well, let me say this and check. And, and make sure that the world or whoever sees this, the whole world's gonna watch these guys.
1: Right, <laughs> totally.
3: But uh, whoever sees this knows that that guitar player, Becker, he wrote all those drums. Oh, oh, wow. Cause man, some of those fucking beats were up I was like, how the hell? Cause he didn't, they don't want double pedal either. So you, it's all single bass. And I was like, wait a minute, that sounds like double, that when it goes, it sounds like it goes, digga, digga, bap yes and so and that dude and i was going like, how show me this i need somebody to show me how you play that how the drummer played this and he goes well i i wrote it and he sat down becker that's his name back i called him so he also wrote not only did he write all those songs with and daryl wrote the lyrics you know and the, the melodies or whatever but back wrote 90 percent of the music and all the drum all those drum beats all those sick ass drum beats weren't for my brain unfortunately i'd love to claim that my ego would love to. but my god man that dude and he would sit down and play it and i looked at him like why don't you just track this record why? Why right. me in? and he's like dude i don't know how to hit the fucking drums i can write beats like this sick ass beats and all but i don't hit the drums i'm not a drummer i play guitar you know mm-hmm. anyway so that's about the glass jaw thing and that's the honest truth that dude back is a genius
1: mm-hmm. All right, so I think we're what twenty minutes in. We let's, let's hop into the tattoo of the earth stuff. <laughs> this is yeah, awesome. Called, uh, this tattoo is awesome. Earth, I love life. it. I love it. Yeah, we, we would do this. Yeah, we could do this all night. Uh, all right, so let's let's flash flash back to you know to that 99, nine two thousand. You said Amen had finished their first record and you're getting ready to go on tour with Tattoo of the Earth. So that was just you guys finished the record and you hear about this tour and get get tossed on the second stage and get going. How, how did that come about?
3: Well, it came about because. When we signed to Roadrunner, amen, Ross Robinson, again, he's the genius that found corn and Limp Bizkit and started the whole, you know, they called it new metal scene or whatever, but you know, Ross is a jack of all trades and he's just a cool cat, that's all he is. So he, he discovered the amen thing, which was hardcore punk. And then he also discovered another little band called Slipknot. And so he signed Slipknot and amen as the first two bands on his imprint called I Am Records. And he did the deal with Roadrunner, which at the time didn't have Slipknot or Nickelback. And so they, Roadrunner was still an independent label at that point. And so Ross does a deal. Hey, man, we go independent with Ross and this other band Slipknot. And we he took us right to Malibu at the studio. It burned down. But back in the day, it's where Corn made their records and Limp Bizkit. And so there's this famous studio in Malibu. And it, it also had it had a, like a house that the bands could stay at, right? Nice. And so Slipknot, all nine of them, the original Slipknot show up two days early. They drove across the country in their van or whatever. Wow. And they show up to the studio. And by the way, I, I should mention, you know, as soon as Amen was done, Ross was just staying there and Slipknot was moving in to do their record, their first album. So mm-hmm. right when we weren't even done, we had two more days of, of you know scrambling to finish this fucking record. Before Slipknot comes, well, they show up two days early. And those <laughs> dudes, we were all in our, you know, I don't know, party prime, perhaps. And we just, <laughs> it ended up being a shit show for those two days, man. And we fell in love. And so they came out. We came out. We sold five copies. They sold five million copies. And they <laughs> fucking took us under their wing, man. And every, they took us all over. We played the world with Slipknot. I don't care where Australia, you're all over Europe. Every as the bigger they got, the bigger they 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 took us. And so, Slipknot, their first headlining festival tour was Tattoo the Earth, you mm-hmm. know, and that's why they were supposed to be on Ozfest. They you read the book, but uh, I talked to Naomi about it more, and she was telling me, well wow, yeah. So, anyway, they, they that was their first headliner, and they, that's how we got on that show. Mm-hmm. We probably wouldn't have been on that if it weren't for Slipknot saying, Amen's coming, you know. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's cool. And when we, the first tour, what Slipknot, their rise, you know, it happened, people say fast, but it really took about two years. And the first American tour we did was, it was, the lineup was uh, Amen, Slipknot, second on the bill, Machine Head, Colchin. Oh, oh,
0: wow. That's stacked.
3: <laughs> wow, that's crazy. And, but, dude, but by the end of the tour, fucking Slipknot, and they were going second, and everybody was just like, leaving after Slipknot you know what I mean <laughs> uh, crazy wow. they're great anyway
0: so on Tattoo the Earth so you knew Slipknot going into Tattoo the Earth did you know any of the other bands just from touring or
3: oh man yeah you know I've known Morgan and Seven Dust since I know all I knew everybody I knew because Roy Mayor was a drummer I think on Soulfly on that tour maybe was it Soulfly or Supple tour Simple I can't tour. remember yep I've done a lot of them but uh I knew um, God Slayer. I I I know Carrie King, mm-hmm. and I've had many crazy cool times with Carrie King back in the day. You know, I freaked out with my girlfriend. We were in uh, England with Godsmack, uh, just in 2019, doing a festival, and Slayer they were making their last final run. I got to see them in England, their last time they ever played England. But and and it was broad daylight. You know, we were standing outside. You know, they have the like, trailers backstage, and that's. The dressing room area is a bunch of like trailers at this festival saying, so I'm standing out front of my trailer, smoking or whatever, and and I look over my girlfriend and goes, oh my god, there's Carrie King. And I go what? And I started walking up to, what the fuck are you doing? I go, I'm gonna say hi to Carrie King, and she looks so scared. You know, people think because he looks like, you know right. what I mean? He's not right. a smiling man, but yeah. he's the coolest fucking guy. So anyway, I knew Slayer, and. uh, I knew Paul Bostaff too. I love Paul Bostaff. He's a great dude. Who else was on it? And I'll tell you if I knew
1: Oh, boy. Uh, the original, you said Seven Dust. You said several tour guys. You said Lip
0: Slayer. Slipknot. Hatebreed.
3: Hate yep. Hatebreed. Hate. Love and no hatebreed. Yes. A Mentor with Hatebreed. Jamie Josta. I knew every fucking body on that tour, man. That's why I don't remember it. Because all <laughs> we did was drink and do drugs it was that was in the peak of my drug and drink usage was tattoo the earth man and we play in and it was like 110 degrees every day and of course we were on the you know parking lot stage most of the time literally at two three in the afternoon you know and it was always 110 degrees you know and so we would just i would wake up oh an hour before the show and and just don't know the state it was crazy that tour was crazy mm-hmm. i had so much fun i just wish i could remember more of it
1: yeah
0: it was like an adult uh summer camp with no chaperone you're in your party prime you got all these friends that are musicians just uh yeah. what a free-for-all
3: and tattoo artists everywhere there you go. and i happen to like tattoos most of us did mm-hmm. so there was tattoo artists everywhere and oh my god you know i didn't reading the book and then speaking more in depth to uh, uh, Naomi, I didn't realize all the drama, man, that was going on in that, that whole camp. It was kind of separate the bands and the artists, the tattoo artists, you know, but I do know that we got a lot of tattoos and I saw, I watched both Corey, the singer of uh, Slipknot and also Ryan from Mud, ba- Mud Band, it was another band I was friends with that mm-hmm. was on that tour. And I watched Ryan uh, get two tattoo artists, you know, standing over him doing his chest, one oh. doing a half, one. And Corey did the same shit. I'm not sure which one did it first or whatever, but two dudes over him, man, doing, doing one tattoo on the chest too. I was like, y'all is crazy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. That kind of leads me into the, the tattoo piece. Like obviously we, and we've chronicled it on this, this series, but in 2000, Tattoos and rock music went together, but tattoos in the mainstream weren't a thing. It's it since sprung up all over the place with different uh, you know, festivals and one-off dates and stuff, but in 2000 going out on tour with both, you know, metal music and tattoos, this was
3: unheard of. Yeah. yeah it was a first and a last. <laughs> I'm mean, I'm sure I'm sure they did it again. Somebody's done it, but yeah, it was a it was an awesome thing. Like like I said, most of the bands that I knew had tattoos and, you know, I've been getting tattoos since I was, well, the week I turned 18, I got my first tattoo because my parents wouldn't let me get them until I was 18 or whatever, but it was because of Bon Scott. And I always wanted to look like Bon Scott. So I got my first couple of tattoos and uh, yeah. And you know, back then even, man, I was, I was, I was 18 and like 19, I'm 55. So I was 18 and like, I don't know, 87, 88. And when I got tattooed, man, like I had a tattoo on my arm. You know, people would look at you funny and different, man, because back then, you know, like Motley Crue wasn't out with the all covered tattoo sleeves. And, you know, it wasn't the the dudes you'd see with tattoos were like Bon Scott or Lemmy had a couple, you know. Right. And so and, and then everybody else was prisoners and thugs and fucking uh, bikers, you know. And so I, I was early on the tattoo game, you know, in my life. And, you know, thank God, because as I get older, they hurt more and more. So I'm glad I got the majority of the work <laughs> young and drunk, you know. i yeah. By the way, guys, you know, I talk about these drinking and drugs. I'm very open about that shit, but I haven't had a drink in uh, six and a half years. Amazing. Oh, nice. That's, That's awesome. awesome. That's, That's a awesome. huge
0: accomplishment.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. Thank you. I wish I didn't have to do that, but there you have it. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: You know, the sad, you know, no one wants to see rock stars in rehab. Yeah, yeah. right. Oh man. Yeah. What a tour. I can't believe they never did another one. And I I can't believe reading that book about the whole drama of the Sharon Osbourne and all that, man. I just, (laughs) I didn't know any of that. I didn't know any of that. That's crazy, man. You don't mess with Sharon fucking Osbourne. Right. I mean, stepping on her turf a
1: little bit, right? (laughs) Yeah,
3: man. So it sounds
1: like it lived up to your expectations.
3: Oh, it's far beyond. Yeah, I I still have my, my tattoo the Earth hat that I wear doing yard work and stuff because uh, it's a it's like a green big brim hat tattoo the Earth on it. Nice. And uh, it it just lasted in my closet for God. It must have been twenty years ago. I don't know. Wow. I've been in God's back twenty years. So twenty five years. How how long ago was that? Was 20,
1: 22 years ago. Yeah.
0: Wow. <laughs> so shannon you were you were in bands for almost what two decades before then you've been in bands two decades after then how does that tour stack
3: up you know like i said it was a time in my life that i was being a punk you know i was just into punk and we lived like punk rock and we were like fuck the world you know that whole drug cut ourselves it was a mess we were a mess but we were we're all fun and good people so it was nobody we didn't really step on anybody's toes you know in our fucked upness you know but so tattoo the earth uh it would stack really high in my memory because of uh because i survived it yeah you know but as far and as far as the bands go we just named off i mean if you're talking slayer slipknot Mud vein, Seven Dust, Amen, Sepultura. I mean, come on. It was yeah. a fantastic tour for underground and, and alternative heavy music, you know. And at the time that, you know, the Ozfest and shit was happening and starting to come out, you know, that was a cutting edge tour, man. And I, I I'm proud to this day to be a part of that, you know. I I can't believe I even they put a picture of me in the book. I was like, fucking hey. <laughs> you know the, the the drummer you think it'd be casey chaos screaming or whatever but they put a picture of me in it that was really nice you know of him to do yeah, we're,
0: we're, i think we're going to use that picture for this uh, episode
3: yeah. yeah you can't see me you know it's just hair and and bones but <laughs> you know but the thing is is i you know scott put me in it and i love scott for that and and he's a hell of a writer he wrote I swear I, I read that book in two days, you know, yeah, I, nice. I opened it, I, I couldn't, I couldn't stop reading it. And, you know, and I, I was there and I didn't, I didn't know all that drama was going on around me, around <laughs> my tornado of a, of a band.
1: <laughs> well, Scott speaks highly of you because he was like, you got to have Shannon. Shannon needs to be part of this. So yep. glad we got to talk to you about it for sure.
2: So Shannon, during the uh, tattoo, the earth, Tour which was in 2000. There was an album that dropped in 2000, which was the Straight Up album, the tribute to Lynn Strait. So that dropped November 7th, 2000. And you played on it with Seven Dust, Head P.E., Slipknot, all that stuff. But it just it kind of boggles our mind. Were you guys recording that stuff on the tour? Did you get off tour and record it right away? Because it dropped right away. I can't imagine they had needed time to master that thing.
3: Yeah, well, you know, we were uh, I was in Snot there, Jamie Miller the great Jamie Miller, who's fabulous drummer now. I found that guy in Baltimore, Maryland and put him in my band, MF Pitbulls. I sang for this punk band back in the day. And we had a, a record deal. I was, you know, drumming for Rothschild singing for this Pitbulls band and saw Jamie, he was in a band called Mary Suicide. Anyway, it was a side project at first, then we got a deal with Roadrunner, right? Well, at the same time, I met Wade Crane and he said, come dude, come to Santa Barbara, live in Santa Barbara and join our kid Joe. And so then I faced the dilemma, do I want to be a singer, which I'm not? It was punk rock, I scream out of key. Or do I want to continue my drumming thing, which I did. So I went to California, I broke up the pitbull, but I promised Jamie Miller and Toomer and Sonny Mayo that I would fucking hook them up. And so when I got to Santa Barbara, uh, Whitfield took me over to the Snot house. Snot was this new band. They hadn't even played one show yet but wow. they had a house, and so I went over to the Snot house, and I happened to have a bad brain shirt on, and that was Lynn's favorite band, so Lynn came right up to me, and I ended up hitting it off really getting tight with Lynn straight, right, and so he's like, dude, you should uh, you should join join Snot, and uh I was like, I just joined Kid Joe, dude, I can't join your <laughs> band, <Yeah. laughs> he's like, well, uh, I go, however, I have, and at the time, by the way, Snot's Drummer and bass player weren't that great, man. You know what I mean? I hate to say it, but that that's the deal. But Lynn Strait and Mikey Dolan had this star fucking shit. Even back in the day, they just had this shit. And so I was like, I got the band for you. I used to sing for this band. The drummer, the bass player, and the guitar player are fantastic. Anyway, I showed them video of Pitbulls, you know, and of course they flew to California, joined Snot, and within seven months were signed to Geffen. You know what I mean? They took LA. Took LA quick, you know, Sissible Down used to open for them, all this shit. They came up quick. And so Jamie Miller wasn't happy playing that that kind of music, I guess, or whatever. And I think a lot of it had to do with he wanted to play guitar at the time, you know, maybe with his girlfriend's band, Amy Echo. And uh anyway, Lynn called me again, and, you know, come do, you know, do the record. And I had just made another record. With uh, Amen, and he said, "Look, you don't have to quit Amen. Just play on this record, and then we'll let the dice tumble, and whichever one you know, and you know, if we're big, then come join my band." And I said, "All right." So anyway, me, Mikey, Sonny Mayo, and Mikey Doling went into the studio and wrote all those songs with Lynn, wow. and and then the day we we, we demoed them all musically and Lynn would just sit there with his notepad writing lyrics and he wasn't even there much during the writing of the music or he would just come in. Anyway, by the time we got it done and uh Sonny Mayo wasn't there that day. Um but it was me and Toomer and uh Mikey Doling. And we were waiting for Lynn to come and start singing on the new songs and his mom called and Mikey Dolan picked the phone up and we got the news.
2: He'd been oh, wow. killed.
3: -hmm. On his way, you know, there. And so at that point, God, I don't even know how to go into that. But uh it was fucked. And then um, but we had all these great songs that Lynn Strait liked. And so we figured, why not do a tribute? And everyone was hurt by his death. Everyone. And so it was the easy thing for us to just call all of I like. You know, Jonathan, and I, every singer on there were friends with Lynn, you know, so except for one, uh, one wasn't and just did it for respect and love or whatever. But every other dude was like personal friends with Lynn anyway. And so it was an easy thing. That's why it came out so fast. It was so easy to do. We already had written all the songs. And so we we went in and recorded them all in like three or four days. And then, you know, the longest part was trying to get the scheduling together for all this to, you know, star singers to come in and sing these songs you know anyway so that's how that whole thing went down and wow. we did we got it out really quick and uh you know i got to play every song on it except for angel's son because morgan personally called me and said dude can i play one song can i play this song that yeah. we, oh, nice and, wow. and i said fuck yes, yeah, of course and you know what's fucked though for me is that's the one song that became the single. Right. And they made a video. So the one fucking song I didn't play on became the single and video and then played <laughs> on video. I was like, oh thanks. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I know Lynn's smiling though. I mean, you know what I mean? That that record was great. Dez did great on it. Everybody did great on it, you know?
1: That's, that's an awesome record. Album.
0: It's a snapshot that captures a really a moment, um, and a special moment too. And quite the cast there. And a lot of you guys were on that, that tour. It just, it was a snapshot in time.
3: Yeah, man. And, you know, Jonathan Davis came in and, and I met him a couple of times, but I hadn't really hung out and I certainly hadn't seen how he works. And, and you know, it was the coolest thing. He, had, he had, hadn't really, he had basic ideas and some scratching lyrics down, but he sat in front of a piano. And he started playing the notes. He was going to sing, bang, dang, 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 dang. Right. And then he gets on the mic, he goes, it's so fucked. I am here doing this. And I was just, I had tears in my eyes, you know, Wow. wow. Goes, and then he goes, it's bullshit. Things don't end like this. And I was like, motherfucker, that was a part. That was a horrible, horrible, uh, tragedy, you know, that ended up making something great out of it. you know, mm-hmm. But you know, like I, it's hard. It's hard. That's a hard one, you know, to talk about really because Ben was so special and everybody loved him Man, yep. he was one of those dudes. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. he had that thing, and it was just fucking senseless, you know. But there you have it, man. Thank you. That <laughs> that was amazing.
1: Thank yeah, thank you. That to to share that, uh, and obviously it still to this day means something to you, which is pretty cool.
3: Yeah, I don't. I, every single record that I've done, you know. All the partying and joking aside about partying and how fucked up I was back in the day, or whatever. You know, I never forget. I, it, whenever I played, and whenever I make records, I'm I'm straight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As soon as I'm done, the red light goes off. Then I'd go drink and get fucked up. But you know, and so I remember everything. I remember all the records. I can remember the first studio I was ever in at 15 years old, making you know with that child doing our first demo. You know, so. That's one good thing. Absolutely.
0: And you're still a beast, too. You are still a beast, man.
3: Oh, thank you, man.
1: Shannon, thank you for joining us uh, on this retrospective of the 2000 of the Earth and your time playing with Amen and then, you know, all the other stuff that we get tonight.
3: Well, thanks for having me, guys. And uh, thanks for getting this out to the people, man. They got to know about this crazy tour and read Scott's book. Yeah, absolutely god's book because man what an interesting cool story wh- written in a way that you know makes you want to keep turning the pages man it's it's a classic so uh thanks for having me guys and you know i wish i could be attached to the earth but i'll be i'll be close so i'll be and, uh, there in spirit you know <laughs> and yeah. hopefully they'll do a tour you know we are putting a new record out i can say that much God's Max. it's going to come out soon so who knows? Maybe we'll end up fucking tattoo the earth or something. Who knows? Awesome. One can one can hope. <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: Well, thanks again.
3: All right, guys. Thanks, man.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Shannon. Appreciate it, man. Man, another great recollection of amazing and chaotic stories from Shannon Larkin, of Amen and now Godsmack. What a blast! And uh, now we got another a former guest, Brian Fair. We kind of call him a homie of the uh, podcast now. He jumped on with us to kind of talk about the resurrection of Tattoo the Earth. Just more amazing backstory and just geekery on everything music. So we're going to get into it right now with Brian Fair.
1: All right, Brian, good to see you again. It's been about seven about seven months since we talked last. Yeah. What have you been up to, man?
4: Uh, you know, uh Pretty much working, chasing kids, and now trying to get my ass back in shape for some Overcast and Shadows Fall shows. It, it went from nothing on the schedule to just a ton of things happening. So, but all good things. So, but now, now I got to get ready, man. So I did a quick dry run through on my uh, commute to work on the Overcast set, and I got to say, man, jumping back into Overcast mode is not quite as easy as like Shadows Fall was such a thing I did for you know so long. And, uh, there's a lot more syllables and anger in the overcast stuff, man. So, uh, I was definitely uh, a young gun when I was writing that shit. So yeah, I gotta, I gotta start stepping up the cardio and getting the throat back into that, uh, that mode. So yeah, I was commuting to work and trying to run through some of the overcast set and, uh, Almost had a uh, aneurysm on my way there. So oh,
3: don't do that. Don't do that. But, uh,
4: no, but it's it, I'm getting there, man. And it was fun to run through those songs. Like honestly, I didn't probably listen to some of that stuff in a while, so it was cool to kind of dust it off and kind of get familiar again with uh, some songs that uh, haven't played in a minute. So it's it, I'm stoked though, man. I'm super psyched. Nice.
0: It's funny we had you on what back in December. So we've interviewed a ton of people since then. And whenever we talk about COVID and return to shows we always reference well brian told us he was doing lunges in his laundry room
4: (laughs) (laughs) i'm in i'm in that laundry room now although i'm behind my drum kit so uh but right over there that's where i just sweat and yell and uh jump around like an idiot so yeah it's funny man i hadn't done a serious like kind of like high intensity interval like workout in a while like that and my like hamstrings were screaming man where i'm just like Walking around my house and my wife's just like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "Ah, back, getting back in game mode, man. Got to get, yeah. got to get the lunges going." So, <laughs> I love it.
1: yeah, you've been our our go-to question for everybody. Uh, <laughs> nice,
4: just... <laughs> nice. Yeah, I, I I gotta film it this time around because it's gotta look ridiculous, man. Like it's got, like, yeah, just sitting here sweating to the oldies, you know, by myself. So I love it.
0: Hey, if you want to do an exclusive through us, we'll put up a a paywall.
4: There you go. There you go, man. Exactly.
0: So Brian, like we said, we last chatted with you. It was the reunion of shadows fall. Now overcast is playing a a few shows, right? There's one that was just announced today.
4: Yeah. We, uh, you know, if we were going to get together and kind of dust off these songs, we wanted to at least play a full weekend. You know, um, I would have even liked to do some more, but logistically it was, I'm amazed we pulled this off. So, uh, yeah, we just booked uh, Brooklyn, then Friday before, then Tattoo the Earth, and then Albany on that Sunday. So a nice, nice weekend of uh, kind of tri-state rock and roll. So yeah, you, you
1: get the call to like get back together for the Tattoo the Earth show first, or was this something that was yeah. on the back burner?
4: Yeah, no, uh, I, really, we hadn't had any plans to do any overcast stuff, and uh, Scott Lee uh, hit me up and was like, hey man. What, what's the chance of overcast getting together and i was like ah you know it'll be tough but what do you got in mind and he uh you know told me tattoo the earth and i already saw the initial lineup which was oh, you know, yeah. anthrax black label hate breed at the gates i mean was, i'm like uh yeah no we're in yeah like we'll figure it out like i mm-hmm. uh, let me i'll call the guys make sure but like we're in and uh so everyone thankfully mike wasn't on tour with kill switch and had uh, a window that time the other guys were all in. The only thing that we had to kind of adjust on the fly was Scott McCoo, our, uh, our you know original rhythm guitar player, was unable to do it and but gave us you know was like don't miss this opportunity, right you on. know find someone to to help out. So luckily we were you know we we had a few guys in mind so uh, we were able to kind of scramble and, and work that out. Which it'll be weird not not have he'll probably actually be at least one of, be at one of the shows but like couldn't do mm-hmm. all of them and and uh, couldn't play so that'll be a, a, like kind of just strange for us but uh we didn't want to miss the opportunity and and uh he was you know totally wanted us to follow through with it so it, it all worked out so
0: nice so if that didn't if that call didn't happen tattoo of the earth didn't happen was this kind of lingering in the background like let's get the band back together or no
4: we never shut the door we always all of us we have a text loop that we all stay in touch with it's usually just stupid things we're sending each other or like inside jokes that like have been you know are three years old now at this point but so we always kind of like you know if if, uh, if time allows if everyone's on the same page and there's a good opportunity we, we've tried to take it whenever we can uh it's just it is pretty tough to get everybody where everyone has the same free time and all that. So, uh, but, but at the time, absolutely no plans, you know, it was definitely kind of out of the blue and uh, but an opportunity we wouldn't want to miss. Not only would it be super fun to get together and play like this to be on that bill is just amazing. And then that led to us, you know, just knowing like, if we're going to do that, we're going to do at least a few shows yeah. But then also after this, hopefully, if we're, you know, kind of rehearsed and got some stuff going on, if some other stuff comes up, uh, we'll be a little more ready to kind of go if we, if, uh, mm-hmm. we haven't any opportunities. So we'll see. Right now, that's all we got booked is those three shows. There's no plans and anything else, but uh, we'll see what happens, you know, after that.
1: So. Nice. Yeah. So you when we talked to you back in December, you were coming off of the reunion show at the Palladium for Shadows Fall. Right. So yep. when you did that what are the are there similarities between doing that and getting the overcast stuff back together or are there major differences or what was it like doing both
4: you know it's there's definitely a difference you know shadows fall initially is just a little more melodic there's a little more kind of traditional song structure maybe ish There's also for me. There's a lot more guitar solos in the Shadows Fall stuff, so I get a lot more breaks. You know, right? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. like the overcast stuff is just relentless. And like I said, I I wrote way too many syllables when I was young. Like trying to fit all that stuff in is crazy. It's also a different mind state because that was a much darker sort of. I don't want to say evil because we weren't evil guys, but like the lyrics get pretty pretty dark and and deep the ones mike d wrote in the early days get real dark he was i don't know what was going on that guy's mind but there was some demons in there he had to get out but so it is a, a little bit of a dynamic shift there whereas you know the shadows fall stuff is a little more like you know positive and inspirational and even a little more epic where there's you know like it's just a different state of mind and just for me though like yeah i'd i'd been I've been away from the sh- the overcast material for just significantly longer as well. So just to get back in that mode, uh, which, you know, it doesn't take long, you know, th- those songs are kind of ingrained in my DNA, but I just had to kind of awaken the beast, you know, <laughs> and get yep, back in yep. there. So,
0: Well, you almost have the luxury of benefiting from a small catalog where shadows fall. It's like, all right, you know, where, which era of the band are we going to pull from where overcast it's just a couple of releases, right?
4: Totally. Yeah. That was the hardest part of the shadows fall reunion was we were playing a pretty long set longer than we normally do. And we still were struggling to fit everything in. We wanted to, and we had to cut some stuff out that, you know, we wanted to play because you want to play stuff that people want to hear, but we also want to play the stuff that we really want to play. And you got to balance those things. Uh, with Overcast, you know, we, we we got two full lengths and then some EPs, so it's yep. a little bit easier to pick, and the thing is, we were lazy even back in the day, where some of our LPs and EPs have the same songs. So oh, of course, you gotta <laughs> we, we, do It that. was 90s hardcore, you just re-record stuff, that's what you did, you know, mm-hmm. but yeah, so a little bit easier to get set lists together, and I'm glad we're doing the other shows, because then, uh, our set at, at uh, Tattoo the Earth is decent length, but on the two headlining sets, we can at least add a few more things that we were, you know, gonna have to cut out for that, so, uh, so that'll be cool to kind of bring some of the you know some of the other tunes in. So speaking of
1: Tattoo the Earth, you you're uh, going to be at the show uh, in August uh, on the 27th, Saturday at Palladium Outdoors in Worcester. What do you know about the original Tattoo the Earth? You heard stories?
4: Oh yeah, you know because a lot of our friends were on that and I remember the initial scene like the lineup being like that was kind of the first of those early steamroller festivals that was like letting the like underground bands on and having yeah. the fun, you know? Cause like, we were one of the bands that like us and Hatebreed kind of broke through the odds fest one on that, but tattoo the earth was ahead of the game where they're like, yo, we're bringing the heavy hitters. Like, this is like, this is about true underground heavy stuff, uh, which was super cool. That was such a cool approach to it but also on a bigger scale too, you know, bringing in some of the bands, whether it was, you know, Slipknot or whoever bringing some bigger stuff too. But that's what I always loved about it. It seemed like it was really about showcasing that sound as opposed to, you know, the new metal sound or whatever. It definitely had a much more underground feel, uh, a little more raw. It didn't feel as corporate back then either, you know? Uh, So it's cool. Plus, you know, Hardcore heavy metal and tattoos kind of go hand in hand. So you know, mm-hmm. it was kind of a perfect mix. So, But I was surprised to see they were bringing it back because, it, it, you know, it's, it, it wasn't like it had been a few years since right. the last one, you know. Like, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it, it was definitely definitely a long layoff, so it's just cool. Although that's been happening with a few of the things we've been involved in. Furnace Fest took, you know, a, a, over a decade break between stuff and then came back a couple of years ago. And, and Shadows Fall is going to be part of that this year. So I guess... Uh, I get to be involved in a few of the the resurrected fests these days. Hell so yeah. that's cool.
0: Yeah. One thing that, because we didn't get to go to the original tattoo of the earth. We, we actually talked about it on a previous episode. We like tried to get rides there. Cause we didn't have a license or I think we had a permit, but we <laughs> heard about the stories. Cause the, the Boston date was Suffolk downs, which, you know, unconventional venue. And then you hear about other venues that are uh, in a golf dome and, there's like yeah, fresh, pressure storms, controlled totally. and it's like a sandstorm in Arizona. It just, it was very much of the time in very like anti like live nation ask.
4: Totally. Festive. Totally. Which is also why you end up in those places like that, Have yeah, you know, you, you have, have to golf domes and sandstorm parking lots and whatnot. Uh, yeah. You had to do that. Cause you know, live nation has that stranglehold, which was cool though. That was the time where uh, people were trying to do things outside of that, kind of built-in corporate structure of it wow so it was cool to see and it was also cool to see that it did those numbers that it did and what got as big as it was uh so which was cool but yeah I'm sure logistically being on that probably wasn't as like you know easy to pull off as some of the other ones because of those elements but then when you survive you got the war stories you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like you know you feel like you you earned your shit through that you know
1: yeah, and we I mean, we talk about that with some of the people behind the scenes back on episode one, and and it's it's crazy, man. Like I I know we wanted to go. It was you know we live in Maine, it was a two hour drive, and you know I think I was sixteen, but uh, Anthony, you were fifteen. Like we just didn't have a chance. Like it just wasn't <laughs> yeah. no cars. Uh, our try to tell our parents we're going to some tattoo metal festival. Like yeah, no, you're not leaving yeah, yeah, no. that for nope. that. Didn't yeah,
4: so that was even the name, they're like, you're going to do what now? You know yeah. like. <laughs>
1: But hey, now we're talking about it. We've talked about it a lot this year, but we're talking about it in depth now and we're getting to see bands like you, Overcast, come back together and and play at the resurrected version of it in 2022. So that's pretty badass.
4: Yeah, I, I was and I was really excited that it was at the outdoor palladium uh, setup because I've seen shows in that setup but never played one. I mean, I've played inside the palladium in every way, shape, or form, mm-hmm. uh, but never gotten to do the outdoor thing. So that's gonna be rad. Like, you know, that that venue. Is like a second home to me between you know Overcast and Shadows Fall. So uh, to have it happen there, to have the lineup it's got, man, it's it's just perfect. So I I can't wait.
0: I love the that. Well, I mean, you just laid it out. Like you found out, it was Tattoo the Earth, Kick Ass lineup. But you guys aren't the only ones that are playing. Would you call this a reunion or a comeback?
4: Uh both
0: either one yeah uh,
4: yeah you know kind of a comeback i think you know is probably a better word because reunions make it seem like you know everyone was on their own separate ways and not on the same page so you know it's more although i guess ll would tell you not to call it a comeback so i'm not saying you know yeah
1: well
0: yeah because you get you guys the red cord who hasn't played in a bit they you know one-offs here and there and bleeding through as well in that same camp
4: totally that's what's awesome but i think uh, you know i think a lot of those bands are in the same kind of uh vibe is overcast where everyone's still in touch and and, you know friends and all that stuff so it makes that stuff a little easier but it is uh, that was why this like we were going to find a way to pull it off like all all these bands are coming together to do something like this uh we want to be a part of that you know because uh like it's not going to happen often where you're going to get these bands not only play at all but at the same place like it's that's such a rare thing so Mm -hmm. yeah i didn't i wasn't going to miss that opportunity so
1: Oh, and then you get all the extra stuff, right? They're going to have the, the body art and the tattoo artists. And it just sounds like it's going to be this wild day with, if you, if you're bored of one thing or you want to check something else out, you can clearly, easily go over to this other place and do something completely different while music is still kicking ass in the background. So. that
4: That's what I love about events like this, man. It really does bring in other elements of the underground scene and just kind of gives other artists a showcase through that, you know, and also maybe exposes some younger kids to some stuff that they may not know about. They're going to see like one band they're into, but then they find out, you know, about this whole tattoo world and the whole body art world. And, you know, it's, it's just, it's such a cool thing. I'm already trying to think, I'm like, okay, what like memory tattoo am I getting like at the, at the show, you know, like, mm-hmm. so it'll have to be small because I want to have a lot of time, you know, I'll be running around, yeah, but uh, right, yeah. but I gotta, I, something's gotta happen, so. <laughs>
0: It's funny though, like what you just said, like the idea of that 22 years ago, I'd be like, wait, what?
4: Yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: And just culturally, right? Culturally, tattoos is just a whole different ballgame.
4: Totally. Well, that's what's even weird now is like, I have so many friends who are high up in, you know, like crazy big companies who are just sleeved out, even, you know, hand Mm -hmm. tattoos. And like, none of that matters anymore, man. Whereas before you couldn't get a job at like, you know, Starbucks with tattoos or whatever, Dunkin' Donuts, you know, like, so like, it's crazy how that changed. So, but it also probably led to like a lot of people going like super deep in who may look back and be like, shouldn't have started with the neck, maybe, yeah. you know, <laughs> or the gauge you know, ears, the gauge yeah, ears. Yeah. Man, that was such a time where I was like, I'd see these, you know, younger dudes in bands. I'm like, man, you better, you better be lifers. Cause you all just like tattooed up your whole neck and your your lobes are going to be hanging down to your ankles soon. So.
1: <laughs> and they are, if they did yeah. it in 2000, <laughs> they probably are today. Yeah. <laughs> That's why my parents didn't want me to go. There
4: you go. See, they knew you were gonna get gauged up and all tattooed. Yeah. You're come back with like, you know, fuck the world on your knuckles or something, you know.
0: <laughs> Love and like Hate. 16,
1: Love and year hate. Yeah. Yeah. Sixteen year old me. Sixteen year old me might have done that. That's
0: for sure. S T R eight Edge.
1: Yeah, there you go. So talking about all the bands that are gonna be there, are there is there anybody in particular you're excited to see? I know you're a music nerd like we are.
4: Yeah, you know, there's a ton. I'm 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 excited to hang out with my boy Johnny Rock and Roll, who's playing Anthrax. You know, before the Shad stuff. So it's always good to kick it with him. I haven't seen Zach Wilde since we did the uh, Heavy Metal All Stars, which was this European tour. That like, dude, if you want stories about an insane trek around the world, that one's got them all. We so I'll do. Sto- we do. Stoked so I'll be stoked right. to see that dude. <laughs> uh, man, that that tour. Went, I, I the fact that anyone survived and that we made it out of like some of the countries we did is just insane. Uh, We were literally we were in uh, Turkey right when they shot down a, a plane from a neighboring country and we're having an election. And our hotels right on the side of the square where they're all of a sudden these tanks start pulling in, and we're like, Well, what's going on? They're like, Oh, we're having an election. We're like, Well, why are the tanks? They're like, Well, because they already know who won and none of us like it. And we're no. like, Oh, well, we gotta get the fuck out of here, man. Like, and the show the show got canceled and stuck into a like a DIY kind of like club that was a, it was a club, but it was closed, so they basically just snuck us into this spot where you know, watching Zach Wilde carry all his guitars up these like 30 flights of stairs and sneak into some <laughs> club and uh, it was dude, it was just insane, but it was a blast. So yeah, <laughs> these Metal tanks all-stars. are rolling
1: down the street <laughs> just because we had an election. That's not good. yeah, <laughs> yeah,
4: totally. Like, and they're like, yeah, we already know who won, but what are you gonna do? But man, some of the shows were amazing. Like the we we did a couple shows in Russia that were crazy, but the promoters were about to like lose their mind because Vince Neil was supposed to show up and he didn't, and like it, it was just it was all insane. Wow. Yeah, but uh, good times. <laughs> uh, but so psyched to see them. Super psyched to see uh, Bleeding Through in the Red Corps because I haven't I, – we t- used to tour with both of those bands a ton back in the day, but I haven't seen them in forever, so that'll be cool. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm just – the lineup is stocked from top to bottom. You know, Terror is on there. I just forgot about yeah. that. I, I keep remembering different bands that are playing. It's, it's crazy.
0: At the Gates. I, I've never yep. seen At the Gates. and.
4: Oh, see, well, Overcast was lucky enough to play with At the Gates on the Slaughter of the Soul tour on two nights. It was Napalm Death, At the Gates, Overcast – in uh connecticut and uh new york and the connecticut show was awesome but dude there was like maybe 75 people there you know like people always like they see that lineup like people see that flyer and they're like that must have been the most insane show i'm like it was but no one was there like you know like (laughs) at the gates became the most influential band in the scene like that era but like people weren't going to like, you know, necessarily go to see them then the next show is at the wetlands in New York, which was packed, but a small club too. So it's crazy to think back then that like literally touring on one of the most game changing records of all time, Mm -hmm. uh, that there was literally like, you know, a handful of people coming out and, uh, but it was awesome, man. Cause getting to see Thomas wearing a bright yellow overcast shirt on stage while he was playing. (laughs) I was like, that's so rad. Cause like we were, you know, pretty metal, but we never looked the part. So seeing him like not only rocking yellow, but also having dreads almost as nappy as mine. And I'm like, see, we found our people, you know? (laughs) Wait,
0: so you guys printed a yellow t-shirts? Oh yeah.
4: uh, Overcast was obnoxious with our merch. We wanted, we had yellow shirts, purple shirts way before it was like cool to do weird colors. Like, (laughs) And, and it's funny, cause yeah, like people be like, "That's rad," and we're like, "Well, how come you didn't buy it?" We're like, well, cause I'm not gonna wear a yellow shirt. And you're like, "Damn it!" You, know? <laughs> like, you were <laughs> ahead of your time. Yeah, you know, maybe we outthought ourselves, but eBay yeah, e- e- gold, eBay yeah.
0: gold right now.
4: He, totally, totally. I, that's <laughs> it's funny, man. I wish I lost like all this all my merch from back then, like you know, along the way, or gave it away along yeah. the way. Th- that was always the worst thing. And you could grab another one out of the bin later, and then all of a sudden they're all gone. You're like, oh, I gave away all the cool yellow shirts. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, those, so getting to play with at the gates back then was for us was as cool as it got, you know, Mm -hmm. so it was super rad. So I'll be very excited to see them again.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be a good time. I mean, we're, we're really hoping to uh, to be uh, around and, and bump into you at some point that day, too. Uh, that's our plan, anyway, is, is to be there. And man. Be kicking around and, and, you know, taking some footage, hopefully a little bit of the behind-the-scenes stuff uh, to get people, you know, excited about the day and, and maybe chronicle it from a different angle. But, yeah, man, we're, we're stoked, too.
4: Yeah, it's going to be incredible, man. Uh, th- th- that just – I also like the – diversity of the lineup you know it's it's there's a lot of bands who came from the same kind of scene but like er, everyone sounds very different you know like so that's what's cool there's a very very wide variety which is rad i I always like that like i i always like bills that aren't just you know three or four bands that sound you know similar so i it's that that to me like man if there's uh, if you can't get into this lineup like man you then just get out of metal like you're done Mm -hmm. you're all done son (laughs) I'm,
0: i'm stoked for crowbar
4: Yes, mm-hmm. I, I, there's I just not want a heavier. Head
0: man. I just want a headbang. I don't have the dreads to headbang, head but I just want a headbang.
4: <laughs> <laughs> uh, the last time I saw Crowbar, like it, it, you just you forget sometimes how many riffs they have because <laughs> you're like you, you literally will be like yourself. That's the heaviest riff I've ever heard, and then they start the next song, and you're like, that's the heaviest riff I've ever heard. You <laughs> yeah. know, it's, and it's just unrelenting. And you know what's great is it, most of that just comes out of Kurt's hands, man. His just that yeah. dude when he touches anything, it's just heavy. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it's not that they tune down to Z or do anything like that. That dude just riffs heavy, man. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'm stoked for that.
0: So, uh, Brian, we need you to clear up a rumor for us. oh <laughs> Rumor has it. If you hang around the Palladium long enough, you will catch another Brian Fair reunion. So Death Ray Vision is next.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, well, they're actually in the studio now. They, they've got a new singer, uh, uh, Keith, who used to play bass for Wrecking Crew, a classic Boston oh, band, yeah. yep. is singing with them now. So, yeah, they're actually working on new material. I loved being in that band, but they really wanted to be kind of active and just the f- – 1500 mile commute wasn't really working out like, yeah, for me tough. to be able to do to do local gigs you know uh yeah. so uh, yeah but that would be rad so uh, but i'm stoked that those guys are doing things but you know it is funny man the palladium literally if we weren't on tour and there was a show i was at the palladium usually oh yeah so and i had the same spot at the back bar like you know like <laughs> a shout out to, to maya the bartender was there for about 20 years it Was always <laughs> you know serving me tequila shots so but yeah, man, that's that's like literally feels like as comfortable as my living room. You know, the the Palladium is is a second home.
0: That's awesome. Twenty. Do we have anything else? I mean, we could go all night, but we want to be We could, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I wanna
4: i could bore you with uh metal all-star tour stories you know well if you get me and if you got another one we (laughs) yeah yeah. it was more if if you guys could have just seen just how insane this was run the uh promoter who put it on ended up being arrested for on fraud charges like right afterwards and was literally on the run from the the uh texas rangers and shit like like, literally like (laughs) yeah like he had uh he and he had screwed over like russian promoters like you don't you don't do that man like it was crazy so but uh (laughs) i'm pretty sure he's still in in jail at this point but man it was it was crazy like a bunch of us i got paid the morning of my flight because i was like i'm not getting on this plane until that like hits my account you know and and a few people didn't and they were trying to chase that for a while i was like man i was like i wasn't getting on that plane and it was a blast like i had so much fun like i got to like Party with Udo on his birthday, and which first of all, man, that dude closed down a bar like to the point where I had to get. I was like, I'm done. I'm out of here. He kept going and was the first guy up at six in the morning, like drinking like espresso in the hotel lobby. And I'm like, Udo, how are you up? He's like, I'm professional. You know, like like, just
0: get on my level, uh, basically. Yeah, totally,
4: totally, man. So getting to like just kick it with Udo and Max Cavallera and all those guys, it was it was insane tour. But man what a what a mess
0: what year what a was mess. that what year was that ah uh,
4: what year is that that was probably 2013 or 14 oh wow probably so 14. Reason, wow yeah yeah it was right towards the end of when shadows fall was winding down touring and uh and you know it was an awesome opportunity it was super cool uh but just logistically was just insane yeah but man and the shows were really like cool like we did stuff where we would do usually one or two songs of your own band, you know? I, I would do like two shadows fall songs, and then uh, Bark at the Moon with Blasco on bass, so like <laughs> Ozzy's bass player on bass. Yeah. And there was a rotating kind of group of of uh, uh, musicians, and then we would do Raining Blood, and Max Cavalero would come out, and we'd do it as like a duet. And then I would come out during his set and do Eye for an Eye from Soulfly, and. And you know, and then uh, that's how Zach Sabbath started. Actually, oh, wow. he was doing a three-piece uh, Sabbath thing where it was Blasco on bass, him on guitar, and this dude uh, Aaron Rossi, who uh, plays, played in Prong, Ministry, a bunch of other bands on drums. And he had so much fun doing that that when he got back, he was like, "This is the this is the shit." Like I'm gonna just do mm-hmm. a three-piece Sabbath thing, and that be that was the birth of, uh, of Zach Sabbath. Wow. So um, yeah, it, what a crazy tour, man. What a, <laughs> it's like a once in a That's
0: lifetime a, thing, right? Because you without you, a doubt,
4: you never totally. did it again, it was, right? Yeah. No, and I think they tried to do a South American version or something, but then like I, that dude went to jail, so I think that kind of petered out the uh, the momentum on that one. But it was it was a great idea. And it's something I could see happening again, because, you know, metal musicians are so good at like jumping into other bands and learning other people's material, which always Mm -hmm. blows my mind when you see these guitar players be like, oh, I had two days to learn all of like suffocation stuff and just jump up there and do it. I'm like, I don't understand how that's possible. But so like we had dudes who are like learning songs that day and then going up there and killing it. And it was, it was rad. So Mm. super fun, but super random. I I would love to do something like that again, you know, like those covers, like there's never going to be that time where you have like dudes from so many different bands, you know, like playing together and doing random covers. It was super cool.
0: Yeah. I asked about the year because I was just curious if you were like younger, but that wasn't that long ago, so you weren't like no, no, a young pup. No, no, I was pup. old
4: man. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> I was old, dragging my ass around Europe. It's funny though, yeah, because like uh, and like Joey Belladonna was there, and like so, and I, John and Matt from Shadows Fall did it. So me and Joey had ringers where John knew all the anthrax stuff to begin with. I had two guys from Shadows Fall like there nice. doing it, so like we were a l- little more prepared. Whereas some of the other stuff, there was literally one day of rehearsal all that stuff so everyone learned their stuff at home but like so you know going up there and trying to do like some of you know like some sepultura material or whatever it is like you know without practicing more than once was pretty intense so it was pretty hectic but like dude these you know everyone was such sick musicians that everyone pulled it off it was pretty Mm -hmm. rad
0: just get a teleprompter like uh, vince neal
1: yeah exactly <laughs> and, the, and the imperfections are kind of part of what makes a live show great anyway right i mean you're gonna find something fun about that
4: totally totally man you know like that was what was cool is there was definitely a kind of like fly by the sheet of your pants vibe to it and i think the audience kind of got to go along for that ride mm-hmm. you know because we they could, the energy was definitely like there because it was just like we don't know what the hell's gonna happen either
1: you know <laughs> yeah, yeah. brian we really appreciate you coming back. Oh, uh, dude,
4: my pleasure, man. Always good to talk to you guys. And I- I'm stoked you guys are going to be in Worcester. That's awesome, man. Definitely come yeah. track me down and say what's up. We will be looking for you. Oh, awesome, man. I'll be the guy with the dreads. Yeah, exactly. See you, <laughs> see you, man. Thanks, Awesome. Man. Take care, guys. Appreciate it. Yeah, see ya.
0: Man, talk about two legends in the game who both spent a lot of time regionally in the Northeast, kind of where we grew up, just to hear different perspectives. Shannon, from that time period, of the original tattoo, the Earth. We got a bunch of stories of Brian, kind of growing up in, in New England, and uh, both in this episode. And we had him back back in '94, and uh, man, those dudes. Open invite to come on this podcast anytime in the future. Stories for days. We didn't even scratch the surface, right?
1: Right, man. I mean, they were awesome. It's uh, it's been really fun to talk about these older day stuff, and then what they're doing today, even. And to hear stories, we've got some extra stories from both of these interviews that are going to come out down the road. So don't sleep on what we have here, but also some, you know, nerdery stuff that may not fit the Tattoo the Earth world that we've also recorded with these guys coming at you here in a couple of weeks, too.
2: Yeah, I love it. There's a regional element I'm very proud of. I think uh, there's music fans in New England that are very rabid, and uh, the metal scene in New England's always been very much a proponent of you know the live music scene and just metal in general. So there's a reason I think we get the content we get and the relationships that we're building here at the Podio Slay podcast and this whole series with Tattoo the Earth. So the legacy will continue and we will see you next week. Peace, Podhead. Peace. See you next week
1: thank you for listening to patio slave we are at patio slave on twitter instagram tiktok all of the places that you can find us on social media facebook patio slave podcast youtube patio slave podcast there email us at patio slave at gmail.com and hey if you want to become a supporter click on the link at the bottom of the episode and give us a dollar give us five bucks it keeps the lights on keeps us going we really appreciate that stuff thank you